It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I recognise a bit of myself in Roy. I was like, well, I wanted to kill him. I, like, I wanted to have it. You know, I was fuming. I thought, mm. how would you do that yeah. to me? You know, when you stop enjoying it, mm. it's time to throw the towel in. You know, I don't feel like you have to be laughing 24/7 because that's just some people like that. And it's mm. like <laughs> <laughs> now, you got me, Mike. You Mike me off. You went get the white here, get the white there, and if you got it there, you can't get round right there, and if you put it there, you can't dig down mm. at the cue ball. And I was like, really? Like, where's your head at? I mean, I'd never think like that. If you practice hard yeah. enough to be able to be as yeah. good with your left hand as your mm. right, and other people are going to be vexed about that, that's their problem. This is it, right? Hold on, you, Racy. This is it. Go for it. He's trying to tear me. Do you know what? Can yeah, I get, okay. get a hit? That's freezing. I can't drink cold tea, mate. It has to be piping hot. We can get, we get fresh teas or a hot tea there. Ronnie's complained about there. He says it's a bit cold. He, he wants a piping hot. Yeah. What's your best break? What's your best break in snooker? Have you got a good break? No chance. Look, he's buzzing, isn't he? Yeah, I just do it just full size one. A four by two. Jimmy White went on a tour years ago. This is in his book, Alex Higgins. A tour around Ireland where you're playing exhibition stuff. Anyway, they obviously done a piss or whatever. And they're about three or four hours late for this appearance in Dundalk somewhere, like yeah, in sports yeah, hall. Yeah. So they turn up there, the guy, oh, a couple of hundred in there waiting for you. And they looked at Alex and Jimmy and went, And where's the table? <laughs> went, You're supposed to have the fucking table. <laughs> I thought they were a table with them. <laughs> <laughs> right, where's the table? With you? Right. Right, ready? <laughs> right, here we go, right. Welcome to Stick to Football, brought to you by Skybet. Right, an absolute privilege this week to be joined by one of the greatest sportsmen of all time and certainly the greatest snooker player of all time, Ronnie. Welcome to Stick to Football. Cheers, wow. Gary. And you brought a documentary out the edge of everything. Why did yeah. you decide to make this documentary now? Um, one, because I was playing and I thought it'd be easier to do a documentary while I was playing because mm. um, then I could just follow me just doing what I n normally do. Um, and I just thought it was quite a, a bit of a buzz to have someone follow me and try and win the World Championships and try and do something good. Uh, so it was kind of a way of incentivising myself to get motivated, to put a little bit of pressure on myself, not too much, but enough to sort of make me get in the Roy Keane mode of, come on, let's have it, you know? <laughs> did, you, did you think, though, Ron, when you had the... Because you was mic'd up yeah. like, all the time, which was really mm. quite, um, quite an insight. Mm. Was you ever thinking about the fact that you're mic'd up? At or first I was, yeah. At first you kind of think, oh, you know, like, you know, got this microphone on me. But after a while, it was just, no, nah, it was just normal. You know, I've done 17 days of it, just playing every match, every session. So you just play in the end, you know. But you're obviously aware that, you know, they're picking up whatever you say. But mm. then I knew they wasn't going to put something out there that would get me into trouble, hopefully not. Right, so you loved it, didn't you? Uh, you said to, to me before, it's one of the best documentaries you've ever seen. It's easily for me because it's so raw. And yeah. it's just, you, you just felt it was just him. And the mic and everybody else, yeah, you just saw, heard voices, but it was, we was just with him all the time. So you saw everything. You could feel everything, you could see everything. And, and one of the things, one, what got me more than anything, Ron, was the bit when, um, it's probably at the end, when you said you can't do it anymore. Mm. Because then now I've been on a journey with you and seen mm. um, 
everything you've done. So, well, I think it's when you did your, your kids came or might have been with Judd Trump mm. when you said you're done. Mm. You know what I mean? That for me, that that really got me. Yeah, yeah. Tell us, tell us, because you're because. It was. It just felt so roller coaster. Yeah, it was just that tournament as well. You know, like the World Championships. It's 17 days. You know, if it was 12 days, I could probably cope with it. But at my age, I just find that I get to the semi-finals and I'm done. You know, like my legs are heavy, my arms are heavy, and I think oh, this is only when the tournament starts to begin. So it's like I kind of went into like just survival mode. Mm. Um, and then obviously playing Higgins in the semi was about, for me, my greatest rival. So that was a big match for me to mm -hmm. win. And then sure. Judd in the final was a phenomenal player. I mean, like, he's a beast, you know, he's mm -hmm. just an animal. And I knew I was going to have to, like, you know, call on every bit of experience I had. And then when I was, I thought, I can't do this no more, as in, like, face this sort of situation. I can play tournaments, no mm -hmm. problem, and cruise through most of the tournaments. But that one in particular, it's like the Iron Man. It's like, you know, it just goes on forever and ever. And you just think... Do I really need to keep putting myself through that? You know, it's um, it's a tough, it's a tough event. You know. I always think of that rivalry in terms of sort of the great mm. snooker players of the past, and you think yeah. of I think Stephen Hendry's on seven world titles. Yeah. I think you're on seven as well. Yeah. Is that on the back of your mind, just sort of thinking, I've almost just got to get that last one to just get over that line and sort of be the sort of number one in terms of um, prizes won there at the Crucible? Not really, because I never really was chasing records. I was just happy to turn pro, get on there, play Hendry, my hero, play Davis, you know, get, you know, just get on TV. That was my, that was my, at one point, that was my amb ambition, you know. I never had this belief that I'm going to be world champion. I watched a lot of highlights snooker, and every time I switched it on, it was like 190, 80, so they skipped all the bad bits. So in my head, I'm thinking, you've got to play an unbelievable snooker. And then I went and watched a live match once, and there was missing balls left, right and centre. And I was like, what's going on? <laughs> so highlights kind of like put my head in a bit of a funny space of like where you think you need to be at. But, so was um, Stephen Hendry a hero of yours? Yeah. I always felt there was a... No, a little bit of needle there. Total admiration for oh, me. He's okay. my hero. Um, yeah, I, I kind of yeah. No, he's my hero. He's a machine, isn't he? He's a machine. Yeah, he's like a Tiger Woods, Michael Schumacher, just relentless, just cold ice, phenomenal for me. It's like he's everything I wanted to be. I'm the complete opposite. Bit brute, a bit vulnerable, a bit fall apart. But he never just you know. I'm sure he did fall apart, but you just never. He'd never show it. You know, he was just sort of like this. It's like still, you know. There was a point early in the documentary where you're getting asked either or questions. Yeah. And it, it, I think the question was family or friends. Yeah. And you say neither. Yeah. Now, do you know what it is? When How's I get. That? Yeah, because when you're in World Snoop, like, they, they ask you to do these interviews, yes. and I just think. I you just, look like I, you didn't want to do yeah. it. I don't want to do anything yeah. for them, basically. <laughs> I try and just give them absolutely zero because they've given me zero over the years. So whenever they ask me for something, I think you're getting absolutely nothing out of me. And um, that was my whole point. Just you ended up laughing at the end of it, didn't you? Yeah, no, because yeah, I, I, I feel funny, like I'm yeah. just sort of giving them, I'm not giving them nothing. So I just think, sweet, and that's why I'm laughing. So I'm thinking, you're hating it. Like, I don't care what you do, I don't care what you say, but let's just go, and, you know, go through the emotions. You're the man who's lived in snooker and sort of mm. brought more eyeballs to snooker than anybody. Mm. What, what is it that you just despise, don't like about the just, authorities? I'm just not good about being told what I can and can't do, you know, and I think there's a kind of like a restriction on you. Know, although they, it's an individual sport, they're more thinking of the collective, like what's good for 128 players. And sometimes what's good for 128 players isn't necessarily good for me. So they want to treat you all the same, but then they want me to do extra work, extra this and extra something. You, you want everyone to be equal, but only when it suits you. So, you know, that, that's when it becomes a little bit difficult. So me doing my own thing sort of, doesn't sort of sit right with the, with how they like you all to sort of stand in line, I suppose. What I enjoyed about the, the, the show, Ronnie, was your the, the conflict obviously in your head, and I felt really uncomfortable watching a lot of it, mm. which is good, mm. you know, because mm. usually documentaries, as we know, are obviously edited to look mm. all a bit upbeat and whatever. Mm. That was so it. I found that it. was edited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was. You yeah. see what I was really like. like. Samaritans out. <laughs> oh, but I enjoyed it because obviously people years ago, particularly with sports people, it was about. You, mm. you just want to see the best bits, and mm. as if top sports people don't have flaws. Yeah. So I think it was nice to see all that side. Mm. But I know it was edited, of course, mm. and but it's still I thought very, very powerful. You know yeah. what? You know what I loved as well, Roy, is the because um, because I, I I can't watch. I, I was saying I done an interview last night, and they said what what is it about? And I said, listen, if I turn on the TV and it's like like he's on like whatever it is Eurosport, whatever it is, I I, I will watch. I watch. You, you're, I'm I'm sucked in. I'm 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 in. 
You know what I mean? I've watched a, a couple of these 147s. I've watched, I even watched the one when you didn't pluck, pluck the black, which I was like, <laughs> I was like, wow, how can he do that? What was he going to get for something like three grand or five grand? <laughs> and so, check with the referee how much it was. I knew what the price was, but I thought, like, how can I put my point across without, because like, yeah. you go in the media, you stay so. Explain it to people, Ron, because it's a, it's a 147. It's yeah, perfect. Yeah. You, it, to do that, and Ron's done it in five. It was for about £4,000, I think. But, yeah, yeah, but the reason you didn't do it was because it was so low, isn't it? Yeah, we used to get cars. It right. Was, for every tournament, we used to get a car, and I used to look at the car and think, oh, that's worth getting. Yeah. So yeah. I'd get it, and then it was like a nice little prize, and then they, they, stopped, the one, they stopped that, and then they stopped the 147-break prize yeah. for Sheffield, and I went, well, that's me out. I'm not making no more matches. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I can't help it, you know. I'm just, I, you know, so, um, and then it was like, so I knew it was four grand, and I went, okay, on the second red, I went, what's the 147 thing? Because I thought, you got like kind of create a bit, a yeah. bit of a storyline here. So he went, uh, he said, I don't know, you better find out. Then. I was, like, <laughs> <laughs> so I was waiting around. I was actually, when I look back, I think the next red was right, tricky red. I thought, bloody hell. But you just get this instinctive feeling sometimes. I'm having this, this mm. is on. Do you know what I mean? Like everything can be going terribly wrong, but I just thought, yeah, I fancy this little Max here. So anyway, he was wandered off, and then I thought, I'm standing there. So anyway, I thought, I'll start putting a few balls. I'm going, and have you found out yet? <laughs> and he's going, no, no, I ain't told me. I said, well, you better find out, because I ain't making it. <laughs> <laughs> and this is me talking to the ref, and then obviously the final black, I was like, well, I ain't putting it. Mm. And, um, but then Yan... No bad about the supporters watching, no. No, no, because no, I love the fans. I love yeah, the fans. I, I know that. You know, I do, you know, yeah, of course. You know, it's, you're it's not a, about the fans. It's more you're making about, a point, yeah. It's more about valuing the players. Yeah, absolutely. You know, not, I'm not on about it. It's just the players, you know. So sometimes I'm doing it more for the players because the, the mid-ranked, low-ranked players have got it a thousand times mm. worse and they kind of haven't got a voice and they don't really get valued for all the hard work and effort they get put in. And that's what I find difficult. So, um, But, you know, that's, that's just... Do, do you mm. feel almost because mm. you are the biggest name in... Snooky, yeah. it almost feels like to people like us, mm. you are snooker. Mm -hmm. Do you almost feel like it's your job to almost take the game on, to fight for the other players coming through as well because you've got such a big profile? I think they should be treated better, uh, fair, more fairly in, in a way, you know, given um, better formats, better sort of structure tools so they can be a bit more, you know, um, it's more of a professional job rather than sort of, you know, not knowing when your next paycheck's going to come and sort of like being stuck at playing top players every you know it's destroying a lot of careers so but you know it gets to the point where no one really wants to say anything so you kind of have to then just take a back seat and go well I can't be the only one sort of trying to yeah. fight this battle you need mm -hmm. a lot of people to come along so hence that's why about eight years ago I just decided to do my own stuff my own exhibitions because I love playing I love competing but just having my little bit on the side just makes me think okay I've got my own sort of thing going on here and I just use the snooker tournaments as like you know hello I'm here I'm still yeah. playing snooker and I still love competing I still like to win as much as anybody else does on the circuit but I'm not prepared to give them every little bit of sinew of my body, you know, they can have a little bit, but... It's a good reminder as well, because again, everyone have this impression, like mm. yourself, Ronnie, people who are really talented, mm. that you just turn up yeah. at weekends yeah. and it all happens. Or, you know, it's people do, they forget about yeah. them. We're probably guilty of that as well. You watch yeah. people who are really talented go, well, the, the, yeah. again, the, the pressure you're under, the demands, mm. the sacrifices, mm. it's a good reminder to everyone that mm. the, the sacrifice have to be made. Right? Yeah. Talent certainly isn't enough. No, it's you never enough, when you, is it? When you were watching the documentary, did you see a little bit of yourself in Ronnie? In it that? wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No, not, not really, bit. but I can identify with people. You had the, the, the demands and the, mm. the pressure and your people-pleasing and your mm. pressure from, obviously, within, your mm. pressure from family members and supporters. Yeah, I could identify a lot of what he was going through, absolutely. Mm. That, that mental pressure. I'd like to think we've all suffered mm. some sort of mental pressure in different situations in our own careers, mm. but, you, you know... Looking at the snooker again, maybe obviously we were part of a team, and I've read stuff about you know snooker players slightly different. If you make a mistake, you got to sit there and watch. Oh, at least with football, we can maybe mm. react quickly. Yeah. Whereas you have to sit there and take that punishment. So I'm mm. guessing mentally, it must be a lot tougher. Mm. I, I don't know. That feels it feels like something because because like I say, I watch you a lot, and when you miss, I always watch you sit down and see what you say. It was good to see you sitting now because like because I would be saying what you're saying oh, mm. yeah. <laughs> and so when you sit down and then someone's in someone like judge mm. what do you actually think about when you're when you're seeing oh, is he gonna miss oh he's not missed what, what do you think about um usually like when you're like involved in a game you don't care you just kind of go you, you hit me with a barrage I'm 
going to hit you with a barrage. But in that one particular session where I, got, I went nervy-nervy, mm. I, I had stage fright, and I've only had it twice in my life where I've got out there and I, f I couldn't actually push the queue through. Wow. And that frightened me, and I thought, this ain't going to go until I get out of this session and get back to my hotel room and regroup. And then my worst fear was that I might do it again in the evening. And it, it happened in the first World Final I played in against John Higgins. Um, was because it the Crucible? It was the first, yeah, it was the final session of the, of the final. And I, I literally thought, you know, I just didn't know what to do. I managed to get through it, I don't know how. Um, and then it was the, the next time was against Judd, and maybe it's because it was my last potential yeah. final and I just I had such a big lead, you know, twelve yes. five. I was sitting there, that's why I was sitting, like, I don't know what's happened here. Is he played terrible if I play I wasn't quite sure like how it had happened because I was thinking this is gonna be a ding dong battle and at twelve five everyone's saying it's done, it's dusted seven, let's get on to the eighth and I'm thinking this ain't done. Leeds get like at the crucible, leads get taken away. It's a bit like, you know, when Liverpool played in the European Cup final, yeah. three nil lead. Is huge, isn't it? Three nil lead might be big in most matches, but when it's the European Cup and you got it it's yeah. all charged up one goal can really shift it and it's sort of like the intense, the pressure just does weird things to, to I mean look at AC Milan, a tough yeah, team, yeah, yeah. but they crumbled mate yeah. and you just was on them and it's yeah. like, and that's what can happen at the Crucible. It's well documented your relationship I think mm. with Steve Peters, when, you, when you're yeah. talking about obviously in game as well, mm. is, yeah. is, is he at the games, is he someone you speak to if, if you sort of go into an interval yeah. or is there someone around there you, you yeah. speak to to get through those moments? For the first year he was in my dressing room the whole time we right. worked together because I, I needed it really, I needed to sort of have him there. But then after that I was, I was alright and I know he's a busy guy and I didn't want to take up too much of his time because obviously, um, you know, I, I just, and so we do a lot of stuff on the phone call and he said to me, look, he said, I can only show you, tell you, he said, if you're not prepared to do the homework then it's not right. going to make a bit of difference. So I was like, okay, cool. So I'd done the homework and I still continue to do it when I need to do it. Um, but yeah, you know, I feel, I feel I'm all right now. I, it, the biggest thing was me was just realising why I used to just throw matches away. Um, I used to think I was doing it because I, I didn't care, but I really I did care. It's just that I couldn't cope with playing badly. So I'd be looking for the exit door, whereas now I play bad and I just think, no, just grind it out, just grind it out. So it, it, all it's done is added a bit of resilience to me, you know, and so I win a lot of matches now where I'm probably not the better player, but I just dig in and kind of get it to the tight part of the match. You know, I think if it's first to five and I can get them to three or I think, oh, OK, right, so mm. I, I, I fancy my chances here. You know, we're really, I could have lost that match 5-1 pre-Steve Peters. So it was getting through them moments, which has really helped with Steve and, you know, it's gave me a chance to sort of fulfil my potential, if you like. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The first time I, I watched you live, mm. you, you were actually <laughs> losing. Out, yeah. I think the world final, yeah, that's right. 5 0 or 5 1. Yeah, 5 0 down, yeah. Yeah, and I remember sort of seeing you in the interval, was the, yeah. a situation where your, your, your former coach who coached yeah. you yeah, yeah. was coaching, you know, the yeah. opposition player at the yeah. time. Yeah, I didn't mind him coaching, it wasn't a, that he was um, coaching another player, but at the Crucible, obviously, it goes on for 17 days. But my ex coach had about three or four players and they'd all got beat and he disappeared. So I thought, okay, he's gone. I didn't see him for 10 days. And then 10 minutes before the final, I've come in and he's getting balls out for the fella that I'm playing. I went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice move. Just straight away, I'm a, you know, I recognise a bit of myself in Roy. I was like, well, I wanted to kill him. I, like, I wanted to have it. You know, I was fuming. I thought, how would you do that yeah. to me? You know, I was gutted. And uh, I went 5 0 down. I'm like, Ray Reardon's in the. In the, in the Dressing room. We don't know what what's going on. He's like, "What are you talking about? Calm down." <laughs> I was like, "Calm down." I said, "Like, so anyway, I got to five three, and I got him on the phone at the interval, and I'm chatting to him. I can see him talking down in the car park. He couldn't see me talking to him. Mm. He's walking around like that, and I was like, I was on him, you know. And mm. 
I had to say what I had to say, and anyway, I, 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 my mate reminded me what I said to him as well. I said, "Don't worry, I'm going to bash him up as well. He's, he's going down, there, you know, because that's just in me, you know what I mean? But I have to calm that down, you know. It's like as a snooker player, you can't really, but it's in me. Mm. It's like I can't get it out, but I have to sort of like recognise it, you know. Know it's me, but park him up a bit, you know. It uh, gets you into trouble Felita. sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ron, can you remember your? Um... Can you remember your first real proper significant break when you was younger? So you think, wow, yeah, really um, good. What was it? Uh, my first breakthrough was when I was about twelve. When I, because it's all right having the odd good frame. You make a hundred yeah. or you make whatever, and then like you play six or seven pathetic frames. Yeah. Um, but then when I was twelve, I was playing a pram and I, I went long red eighty. Next frame, long red ninety. Next frame, long red hundred. And I went, okay, I'm a player. Right. <laughs> I thought I'm a proper player now because it's about doing it regular. You know, and for me, it was like, oh, OK. You were 12 then, you were saying? I was 12, yeah, yeah. And that's when I thought, uh, you know, I ended up winning the tournament, which was mm. like a pro amateur. It was like a mixture of amateurs, professionals. And then there was me, this 12-year-old, um, beating, beating pros and amateurs. So it was a um, big turning moment in mm. my career, mentally, belief-wise, you know? Because you know, you know the five-minute 147? Yeah. What, what was your... T tell me your mindset then, because you, you kind of mentioned something about almost like it was just happening and in slow motion, you could feel everything, you could see everything slower. What was happening in that moment? Yeah. That is one of the greatest <sighs> ever five minutes Yeah, I actually ever. say that, I know it was actually probably one of my worst, it definitely was my worst one for seven because it was all done out of fear. You know, I, I had no confidence in my game. Snooker's a very technical game. And it's a bit like golf, that when, when you feel good, you take your time, you, you sort of, you know, I don't need to rush this. But at that time, my, my game, I'd got a lot of bad habits and I didn't really fancy potting a lot of balls, but I know I had to go for them because it was the right shot to go for. But to make the 147, I was so unconfident that I just thought, get this over and done with as quickly as I can. <laughs> so I didn't have to think about it. And then I'd done it and I was like, oh, thank God that's over. But I, I wasn't capable of winning the World Championships because I couldn't do it frame after frame. So I took my game apart in 2001 to, to build it, to become capable of winning the World Championships. So my, my technique changed a lot from the age of 19 to 25, I, I ruined it. And then from 25 onwards, I've, I always have to be diligent on just keeping my technique tight, you know, because if it goes, then I can't make 20. You were talking about doing a, getting your hip done? Yeah, yeah, I was thinking a new hip, yeah. Um, because I was thought there I something my... wrong with your hip? Well, because I thought I was, I kept falling to this side, so my body was facing over there, but I was trying to pot the ball there. So all my weight was over there, but all the weight should have been going down there. And I thought, is it because my hip sort of worn out a bit? So I thought, if I get a new hip and keep it on the <laughs> hip, I could just like pot balls all day long. That's why I kept kicking it in the stick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your, um, yeah. your hip's out of line. <laughs> That's amazing, Ron. Yeah, yeah, you sort of... Ronnie, we've got some clips of your documentary and... OK. I mean, you're the greatest player of all time, but you beat yourself up like you wouldn't yeah, believe. Even now, today, in mm. which you, you sort of analyse yourself. Yeah. And there, obviously, the, the documentary talks about... I'm trying to work on that at the moment, just not yeah. so harsh on myself. I didn't and this is a really good like clip. That. Yeah. At this moment in my life, I look back and I think, wow, how have I got through that? Because it was that bad. The darkness and stress and addiction. I didn't know how to live sober. It's not healthy to wrap your identity up in what you do as your work, and they tried to teach me that in the Priory. But I find it really hard. <laughs> and I realise that, you know, my addictions are good in many ways because it drives me on, but it just needs to be managed. <clears throat> I used to have a mate of mine used to come pick me up and he brought me over here and we've done like five, six miles around here. He weren't even out of breath. I was dying. And that's when I got into the running. Yeah. I was already out of rehab. So I was in a, a decent place, but this was just like the final piece, I think, the jigsaw for me. Do you know what I mean? Just for like my mental, mental health. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> mental health. <laughs> I've been selling it for 20 odd years, mate. That's yeah. the funny thing. People go, ah, oh, you know, when I was like, in that, like, come off the table, oh, he's not, he's this, he's that, he's not right. Now all of a sudden it's cool. Uh, I was 20 years ahead of the game, mate. 20 years ahead of the game, mate. <laughs> <laughs> they're all joking on the bandwagon, that's what I love. You've got all the bandwagoners. <laughs> oh, mental health. It's cool to be mental health, you know. <laughs> Fucking does my head. <laughs> I don't know what a bit of mental health is. They get out of a bad day. Not enough likes. I'm having a fucking mental health crisis. 
Jesus Christ, what is it all about, eh? It was interesting last night because, like, Alistair... Campbell. Yeah, he was... He kind of said something about... Almost pulled you up about... Like that, it, where, yeah. where I, you could easily see that it was tongue-in-cheek, yeah. what he was doing, yeah. which was somebody who's been able to deal with mental health mm. and speak about it in a way... Mm. He's had it in, mm. at such a, a, a period long before everybody's going on mm. about it now, which is quite a serious thing. But I thought that you, you dealt with that pretty well with him. Um, I, it was something, as soon as he said that, I, was, I, I felt I wanted to pull him up because yeah. I instantly got what you was on about now. Yeah, I think it's what so, so I tried to say to him, it's just more about mental well-being because mental health, I don't know if you probably know people that have got serious, I've known people mm. and they've like, not come out of his house for 30 years and he's on 600 pills a month, you know, that's mental health, you know, like they serious, you can't participate in society, you know, mm. I don't have that issue. I, what I have is a, a, an inability to deal with pressure from, you know, from that I put on myself and I get in such a bad place that I get so down on myself that I then become quite a moody person. I become like someone that I don't really like, you know, and, and it's kind of like trying to juggle, like trying to, you know, not let that lash out on people. Mm. And so it's more like a well-being thing. It's like, can I play snooker and be happy? So that's that's been the goal for me for the last 20 years since I come out of the Priory, like trying to be happy inside and kind of that be the basis of everything and then like you know if I put a few balls great you know but if I don't you know it's like try and be a little because like them six or seven years that I was unhappy I couldn't go out of my house unless I had a, yeah. a chemical substance because well, I you lost my confidence. You mentioned on there that mm. that you've almost got to the bottom of it that mm. maybe some, some of the demons that you've got mm. through your game mm. it actually drives you on mm. and I just think of us four here, obviously mm. we're not playing an individual mm. sport. Mm. I actually, obviously you've got a relationship with Steve Peters, he, yeah. he was at Liverpool as well. Yeah. And I sp he come in at the end of my time there. And, I, and when I used to chat to him, it was something very, very similar, and I'm, mm. I'm sure we'd be the same in that. Mm. It does affect you, doesn't it? Your performance, the sport that you're mm. involved in. Mm. And I used to get really sort of like, mm. if I'd had a bad game or made a mistake for the goal, I'd find it really difficult to get over. I couldn't just erase it and move on the next day. And I found it really strange yeah. when players could. Mm. And I saw Steve Peters. Mm. I saw uh, Bill Beswick, who you uh, guys know as well. Mm. And you're almost, you're not fixing it. You're almost accepting it mm. that that's just you. Mm. That's who you are. That's, that's what drives you on. Yeah. Because that feeling that you've got of being down and being angry about the performance, it actually drives you the next mm. training session, the next mm. game. It's just, you can't get it out of your head. Mm. I mean, is that something similar for you, Roy? Exactly, yeah, absolutely. That's why we could identify what we were watching and, uh, and what you're talking about. Yeah, the demands you put on yourself. Yeah, you put yourself under huge pressure and you can make yourself very, very ill from it. And then if you're not eating properly, you're not, mm. there's a whole knock-on effect. You talk about mental health, yeah. I identify with all of that. Listen, people turn to want drink, gambling, mm. drugs, whatever, women, mm. whatever it can mm. be, yeah. And I think most, a lot of top-level sports people have got them mm. kind of mm. flaws. It is about accepting it, obviously, mm. and trying to manage it. Mm. But also, that's part of your DNA and that's mm. part of your personality, you know. But again, you're on about there knocking yourself for the stuff you put yourself under, but you also have to take it easy on yourself mm. because that's just part of life, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe as you get a bit older, yeah, yeah. There's no, end, there's no end game, you know what I mean? When you stop playing snooker, you probably put yourself under pressure in different ways, whether it be mm. how you raise your children or whatever relationship. Mm. That'll always be there, as mm. if I know what I'm fucking talking about. <laughs> 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 you know you yeah, learn yeah, to kind of right, accept yeah. it and manage it. Yeah, you're right, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, but I hear what you're saying. I, Lead all that bit. Yeah. <laughs> Ronnie, it's, it's the strongest portrait I've ever seen mm. of the ups and downs of world-class sport. Mm. And you talk there about addictions are good, mm. They just mm. need managing. Mm. How do you manage them? Um, you just have to. I, I I keep a diary now because I know that it can get out of hand. So I, I kind of go right. I'm 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 allowing myself 120 days away from home. Um, I'm allowing myself to practice for 10 hours a week. Um, so I do little things like that. And if I go in at a tournament and I'm practicing, I'll switch my phone on for f 50 minutes. And once that alarm goes it's like cues away because what the temptation is is that you'll miss a ball and you'll go oh, I better put another two of yeah. the three of them and you start to like you know drive yourself nuts you know because you become very obsessive so my way is kind of set myself little like that's it that's enough you know before I even 
have, have a plan. Mm. And once I've got a plan, I stick to the plan and that's it. And then I switch off and it's kind of like managing that obsessiveness to not get out. And I mean, sometimes I'd play and I'd have blisters on my fingers <laughs> in preparation for a tournament where I play hours and hours and hours. I've got to get it right. And my fingers would be so sore that when I come to play in a tournament, I couldn't put my hands on the table. <laughs> and I thought, so I was, I was over practicing. And, and when I got to the tournament, I was kind of like burnt out really. So it's just finding the optimum level really and it's it's quite amazing what you can get away with i think there was ledley king at tottenham he was such a good player oh and went, God, he's, he's got these injuries but he could only train once a week but he still performed for tottenham it's like how do we kind of get him out on the pitch yeah. and get the best out of him because he's still a fantastic player he's still useful for us he can't do what the others or what he used to be able to do but you know so it's kind of like working out you know how you can kind of still keep going without destroying yourself. You have to remind anyway. yourself why you started playing snooker. Yeah. Like soccer. We're talking about yeah. the pressure. Yeah. We see all the images yeah. of you as a kid yeah. there playing snooker. Yeah. And obviously you're smiling yeah. a lot, whatever. Yeah. Because you were playing to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And we did soccer, but then yeah. we're talking about pressure at Liverpool, Arsenal, yeah. big clubs, United, and that enjoyment goes, doesn't it? But it's do you sad, find but you could have been as successful without that intensity? What? No, absolutely. No, that's not. what I'm no. saying. That's why it's I a balancing act. But it's just how much you kind of take home to your family and how much yeah. you suffer with it. That's not really, like we saw the clips of you really suffering. I'm going, yeah. that's extreme suffering. Yeah, really, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. It is. It's, 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 it's not what? worth it. It's, it's, no. cause we, 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 we all start playing the sport we love because we obviously, we love it. Yeah. But then pressure comes from within your yeah. crowds. Uh, yeah. Obviously you're playing for big clubs, expectations yeah. to win football yeah. matches and then the enjoyment goes and then you start mm. overthinking the yeah. game. Mm. You go, why did I end up, why did I start playing football? Mm. To enjoy it, but mm. the enjoyment goes different demands you're on about the interview there you're, you're the, the media put demands mm. in you're like mm. do i really need this today mm. what does a low look like ronnie for you now and what did it look like back then when it was at its, its worst a low uh, for me a low was i just felt like i couldn't i couldn't i wasn't the best player um and i believed i had the ability to be the best player but technically i was i had so many faults and i'd play players and think i can't he could be like 30 ranked in the world but if he played to a certain level i thought i can't beat him because he was just consistent and I was just too in and out. So that was a really bad low for me. Like I knew I couldn't win the big, I had to rely on me flying or them not playing well. And that felt really like bad for me because I knew I, I, if I could get some consistency together with the ability, then that wouldn't have been an issue. So that was, that was a horrible, I, could, I couldn't handle that. And I, but I wasn't prepared to really do anything about it. So I just kind of buried my head in the sands. It wasn't until I got clean and sober, I thought, oh, I've got loads of time on my hands here. Like, I can't go out drinking, can't go out clubbing. How much all, were you going out at the time? Or were you going every night? Yeah, virtually all the time, yeah. All, every, every day, every night. Um, yeah, just constantly for about six years, yeah. Does I mean, I'd, I'd have a time where I'd go, right, I've got to clean up because I've got a tournament coming up. Mm. And I'd have to like lock myself away and home just because I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't say no, you know. Um, was it easy to practice at the time? Because you easily really. practice when you was in that mode. Not really. No, I'd go down. Yeah, I just, I just, I'd, not really. No, it was just sort of. It was the worst time of my life, really. Yeah, I was just sort of like, it was horrendous, really. When I think about it, it was, it was fun at the start. Mm. First two or three years. With Keith Richards and it Ronnie Wood. Fantastic. Fun. You know, <laughs> <laughs> in the last three years, I thought, Jesus, this is, this isn't fun anymore. I felt like you, you know, I just felt like a bit of a, like I've let myself down. You know, I just hated myself. I really did. I think I, I think I was with you at that period of time as well. I was in Manchester when I was in the back of the car with you, and it, that was a bad time for me. That was a That was one of where I was really suffering. You, yeah. That was that time. Yeah, I think I can't remember what year it was. I came to watch it at the Masters as well. Yeah, 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 yeah we got it. Yeah, let's see. Funny old time. Gary Neville in the the Match magazine, and it's a potluck here. So. Snooker may seem like the most boring sport in the whole wild world, not my words, but Man United stars Gary Neville and David Beckham saw the better side when they went to watch a recent final between Steve Davis and Ronnie O'Sullivan. Mm. How could snooker possibly be good? Because the game was interrupted by a female streaker. That's how. <laughs> wow. And Gary... Was pretty chuffed. <laughs> that, was that? <laughs> that was a bit different, he said. Does that always happen at snooker matches? I really enjoyed it. 
<laughs> so the only way Gary Neville enjoyed snooker was the snooker. No, I used to uh, love snooker, honestly. I used to love it. And but the picture of you with Ronnie Wood and Keith yeah. Richards at the bar. I mean, Jimmy as well, wasn't he? Was Jimmy? Jimmy White? was there Jimmy as well. Was there, yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy, man. I mean, that's a hell of a picture. That yeah. what a night out that that's is. Yeah, we had some good times. Yeah, they, yeah, we had, they, yeah, they were great, great, great nights. Well, they turned into days in the end. <laughs> They they knew how to party. Like, I thought I was good. I was just I was just reckless. But Ronnie and Keith they they had it down to a fine art. They'd have a different drink for different times of the day. They'd wow. have a little little sleep for two or three hours. Is that dangerous to be amongst that kind of like caliber of drinker? Uh, no, because I was worse than them. It was like in the end, Ronnie was saying you need to calm him down. To my mate, he's went calm him down. You know, he's getting a bit out of hand. And I, but I, obviously this was all um, stuff that was revealed to me later on down the line. You know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it just that's what happens when you. What was the, Was there a point where you just went, "That's it"? That's it yeah. What was the point where yeah. you just stop and you um, go, "That's it, I've got to change"? Uh, when I was, yeah, I just I just couldn't go out and have a game of golf without having a few drinks or a couple of spliffs in my pocket because I just didn't have the confidence to just be myself, you know. And that's yeah. when I thought, "Oh, I'm being in trouble here." And then I had three hope. I had three TVs in my hotel room once because I had one to watch a TV, one from a PlayStation, and one for something else for videos because I just couldn't face being sober around people and I thought this is really bad you know and then I was kind of like I thought I need to sort this out so that's when I phoned someone from the drugs helpline and boom got me in a priory got myself clean and then thought oh, okay yeah like you know I feel like I was just gaining through gained. the towel yeah yeah through the towel and yeah I had to yeah it was um yeah just yeah when was, you look back yeah. on it what, what do you feel like when you look back on it do you feel like yeah I'm I'm somewhere I'm you, you, you can't regret what you've done, obviously, you should ne never have regrets, but do you feel like you've, you, you needed that to be where you are? Or no, you I, not... I did have regrets, that's what I say. Like, when I say regret, that, that regretted right. picking up a drink and a substance to sort of get through my bad times, you know, um, and it got out of hand, and I just think that's why I feel grateful for everything I've got now, because I remember them six, seven years, and if someone said to me, look, we're going to get you out of this, and you're going to be happy, you're going to be, you know, be at a place new, you're going to be a bit of a miserable to you're going to like... Mm. Would you take it? I go, yeah, I'll have that all day long. Because <laughs> that's how desperate I felt at yeah. the time. So I remember them times and go, you know what? You know, just just be grateful and thankful that you've come out the other end. Because a lot of people don't, you know. You see a lot of other sports people, a lot of people just, you know, they don't kind of get back. You know, it's just sort of keep going downhill. How's, how tough that decision when you say, I'm not drinking no more? That's me. Well, but like Ronnie said, yeah, you just try to tell them. You think if, you, if yeah, but like yeah, but we're talking about getting to a certain place, and you are drinking, and you're doing it regularly. And but now this day, like today, you've gone. That's it. But it might be a particular day for anybody. It might just get to a stage where you're not enjoying it anymore. You get to a tipping point. You might just get to rock bottom. You go, I'm not enjoying it anymore. You're upsetting people around you. Unless mm -hmm. you go, I've had enough of it. Mm. It's just, sometimes it is as simple as that. But you have to get there. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I think you have to be go easy on yourself, Ronnie. You're on about there the regrets, but sometimes you have to go to these places. Mm. You have to go to these places again, as if I know what I'm talking about. Mm. You but do, you do. You have you to hit rock bottom to say, "Listen, this is not for me." Mm. And you know, you had some great times, but when you mm. stop enjoying it, mm. and it's time to throw the towel in. Nice you talk about happiness, yeah, Ronnie. What does yeah. happiness look like? Just contentment. You know, I don't feel like you have to be laughing 24/7 because that's just some people like that, and it's great. Mm. Like <laughs> <laughs> If you could all be like Ian, you'd be like, there'd be no issues in the world. Because you know? that's just a natural, some people are just naturally happy people. And it's sort of like, you, you love it. But I think for me, it's just about a bit of contentment, isn't it? It's just about being like content in yourself and just kind of going, you know, I'm, I'm the opposite to it. I'm really quiet. I like, go in somewhere and I'm like, I sit in the corner. I'm like, don't want to be seen where he walks in. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, to have that personality is such a wonderful thing, but I, I, I ain't like that. So I have to sort of um, blend in, if you like. <laughs> Obviously, it's in the documentary where you yeah. go out running a lot. Is that part of your management strategy? Of it? I just like being fit. Yeah. I was never fit. I was always this little fatty at school. I was always like trying to duck out across country, getting a cab to get me out of school. <laughs> I would like I'd only ever run for the bus so I can get to the snooze club. I was I was lively enough for that. Um, but otherwise, it was just like I was burgers, chips, dummy kid. And I used to get a little bit of stick when I was younger, like you're the fatty, you're this and that, and it did bother me a little bit. So obviously, I, I blew up a little bit, and, and I could still do that. So for me, just to find fitness and and get fit, you know, you must know when you're in good shape and you feel yeah, good, you feel, you know what, well, I feel all right today, you know what I mean? You just, even if you don't feel all right, you think, well, I look yeah. all right. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? So sometimes it's sort of like I do it for that reason. So it is from a, a, probably an insecure place. Um, but, you know, like you say, there's two options. You go that way, that way. And for me, it's sort of, there's 
not really a middle ground, you know, on certain things. On certain things, I have to be committed to it, you know. Are you playing at the minute? Playing all right. <laughs> I'm actually playing alright. Actually, fancy an eighth. <laughs> <laughs> an eighth could be on the way. No, no. Listen, no, I'm playing alright. I'm playing. Mm. I'm playing. I'm playing okay. Which is which is that means dangerous I'm to people? Because well. if Ronnie O'Sullivan's playing okay, then it's probably a very high level. Big problem. Yeah, and no, I think I'm playing alright. I find it harder though now to like put players away though. Whereas before, I'd like be like six one, six two, mm. six three. Semi-finals, nine-three in the final. You think, you know what? It's still hard because you've got to be on it, you know. Mm. But you're on it and you smother them, and then you they, they crumble, and you think, oh, that was that was an easy bit of work. But now, I sort of like then matches are six fours or a six-five or a, a nine-seven. You think, oh, I feel like I played all right there, but I'm not putting them away as easy as I used to, just because the standard is very, very good, yes. and you kind of get a bit battle scarred, and you think, oh, I won't take that one on. Really, the right shot is to take it on and bust them open and get in there and grab the game by the scruff of the neck. But when you're 47, 48. You think, oh, I'll wait a bit, you know, and that's that waiting thing. Of yeah. You talk to can... Steve Peters about age. How mm. does obviously age is different in every sport, but mm. in snooker, how is that? How does it sort mm. of? It's difficult when you're playing someone that could be your son or your grandson, and you look at it and think, like, you know, what I, mean? I feel like really old here. You know, yeah. it's sort of like it plays tricks with your mind. You know, you think. Like, this don't feel right, you know. But what is it that goes as a... The chimp, Gary. We were talking about yeah. it. Steve Peters talks about the chimp. Is yeah. it the chimp and the... Yeah. I wish I had a, I had a gorilla. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was jealous of people who had a chimp. <laughs> Lucky bastards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what is it that starts to slow down your yeah. reaction times or the, the sort of in snooker? Because obviously in football at 35, 36, your legs go. I if I was to sort of like look at like players, that great players that went before me and think, well, what was it that I noticed in them that was that made them not the force they was? They kind of get... Um, they, like with Hendry, he would go for balls. Do you think, yeah, go for that. And then he'd prime and get it. Now, for the first few years I played Hendry, I'd play a shot and he'd look at that long red and think, oh, Hope he goes for that, mm. and he'd pot it. And I think, yeah. But then after about three years, he kept getting them. I thought this key was on another level. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like so, but then he started to miss them balls, and he but he couldn't stop going for them. He was like, he's still going, and then he'd leave you in. You go bang, 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 and and is that ego pride for players? You think possibly, possibly he could have reinvented himself. Mm. Sometimes you need to reinvent yourself, and, and he could have still been a force. But I just think you kind of like you, you you lose your confidence, you lose that spark, you lose that. You get a bit twitchy, you get a bit tight, you sort of like miss the crunch balls, you know, like, because at the end of the day, it's about potting the, the pressure balls. Mm. And and, um, and if you start to miss them, your opponent will gain confidence and and then and then that's where you start to find... I, I asked you before, you, you know, as you get older, though, and other yeah. things come into your life, you know, mm. kids, relationships, mm. other things you mm. may want to do, maybe go on mm. holiday, enjoy yourself mm. a little bit more. Does the practice go out the window as much in terms of you hear about like sort of the top players saying yeah. when they're getting into snooker, yeah. five or six, seven hours a day? Yeah. Does, does, yeah. does that go away? Well, um, I think what like I said to for what I do is um, when I was younger I played five six hours every day just religiously because I had nothing else to do, um, but I realised that that was kind of counterproductive for me. So I kind of like I had a an amount that I play every week, so I got about ten hours a week, and I said, you know. So if I can only play twice a week, I'll do five one day, five and you know on the other day. Um, or if I can only do one day a week, I'll go in there and I'll try and do ten hours and you know and just kind of get them ten hours in because I think it's just like time on your feet. You know when you're a runner, it's like you've got to get to like sixty miles a week. How you get there, it doesn't really matter sometimes. And so that's the same with the snooker thing. As long as I've clocked the, the hours up, I kind of it's in the bank. Mm. You know, and when, if I go and play, it's it's, it's all a bit of touch and feel. But you, you, you know, sometimes you just play out of guilt sometimes. Like Steve Davis said, I, I practised out of guilt in the end yeah. because I thought if I'm not doing enough, yeah. then so you know, I feel guilty. And yeah. it's like, so that's where Steve Peters really helped. He was like, well, we'll get rid of that, get rid of that. Or, you just, you know, because I was quite superstitious as well. Same shirt, same this, walk there, that toilet, that dressing room. <laughs> drive yourself nuts. And then he went, Steve Peters, what are you doing? <laughs> he went like, no, we don't go like that. He says, you know, you start having a bit of belief in yourself. And I was like, OK, that sounds, that sounds a bit better. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was going to run. You know, like when you um, you're getting into that last frame, yeah. and, you, and and it's the break. Now you're in a break, and you're getting in and around the fifties and sixties, and it's the mm. one to win. Mm. Does the pressure come harder then? Because like you know, if I sink these three now, I've I've won it. Like I like that situation. I always enjoy that situation um, more because you... the commentator says, "Oh, he's in now. This could be yeah. it." <laughs> yeah, I mean, because you put like the whole match, you're thinking like, "Give me that. I want to be in that position." And it's not easy, like I said, you know, when I had that big lead against Judd, every time you didn't 
guy and yeah. I put him away, you think, oh, you know, yeah. is this going to be a, like, is that, you know, if I lose this match, they're all going to say, oh, he bottled it, is this and that. So that all goes through your mind. But I always find that once I get to that one frame, I think, oh, we just need yes. like one knockout now. It's like, let's go for it, you know. And um, Do, you have a do people underestimate yeah. your safety play? Do people take that for granted with you because they think you're just obviously bringing the pot and balls? Pot and balls, yeah. You I think, think mm, yeah. Your safety's... Your... I, yeah, I had to be... I got coached by Ray Reardon. Um, had wow. to play proper safety. Um, he used to remind me of a vampire when I was young. <laughs> <laughs> he used to frighten me. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. He used to frighten me. His hair was yeah, all slicked was and everything. Unbelievable, but he, he was granite, mate. He was so like, you know what I mean? Like, I had two years of him, mate, and he mm. blew my mind. Every practice session, I was like. Like I'd want to just pop balls and he was showing me safety and at first I thought, oh, do I really need to know this? He said, I'm going to make you impregnable. I went, what does that mean? He went, there's no weakness. He said, you can pop balls and make breaks, but I'm going to make you the best technical safety player in the world. And he'd like, once he ripped down an eight-shot sequence, if there was a re-spotted black, he went, you'll play this, you'll play that, you'll play this, you'll play that. And I'd done it once and he was right. He'd done the wow. eight. <laughs> yeah, I went, you're, you're too much. You know? <laughs> but he just taught Brilliant. me certain things. He went, get the white here, get the white there. And if you've got it there, you can't get round. There, and if you put it there, you can't dig down mm. at the cue ball. And I was like, really? Like, where's your head at? I mean, I'd never think like that. Yeah, so at least you were open to learning, Ronnie. You know yeah. what I mean? You didn't just depend on again. You yeah. Your pot and balls. You yeah. Were... I was fascinated. I was like, you know. So in the end, we'd go into the practice session. And I, I, I said, I don't want to pop balls. Just show me safety. Mm. Show me what to do here. I want to know. And he'd go for like four or five cushions and go and nestle it. And, go, and then sometimes I couldn't do it. And he'd go, give me the cue. Mm. And he was like 85 and he'd do it first time <laughs> and I'd go, dumb me head in, you know what I mean? How, how does it come about with uh, playing both-handed? That's something that... Left-handed that, yeah. yeah, I don't know, I just got so frustrated, like I said, from that period of 19 to 25 where I, I couldn't... I was trying to self-coach and I, and I messed my game up so much that I couldn't, in the end... I didn't know where to start and put it right, so I started playing left-handed, and I thought, oh, this feels how I used to feel when I was Could you pot instantly? Could you pot instantly? It felt easy, yeah. Well, I, it sounded right. I'd hit the ball and it sounded right, and I thought it was just the sound that kind of I enjoyed. It was like a thud. Wow. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's, 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 that's going to... That's, that's... Did the players get annoyed with you? I would. Yeah, Robbie Dude got fuming with yeah. me. He, he didn't want to shake my hand. But I, he, he thought you took yeah, a piss. Yeah, but he thought you taking a piss. Yeah, he thought yeah. that. Yeah, but you really weren't hard. taking a piss. No, it was really hard because I'd been practicing. No, 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 a little bit. If you've practiced, James, if you've practiced hard yeah. enough to be able to be as yeah. good with your left hand as your mm. right, and other people are going to be vexed about that. That's their problem. It's not I taking think, the piss. I think you didn't feel bad when you scored a goal. You're like, fuck. Of course you? not. I, I, I was so natural. I didn't even remember I scored with it. <laughs> I think it was... It, uh, when I played the odd few shots, I think Robbie Dude took it really... And I can see why he thought I was... Yeah. You know, it might have been... Was that the first time? That was the first time. Mm. And, um, and then a year later, I was playing Peter Ebden in the semi-finals of the Premier League. And it was just after the World Championships. But I've been playing all year left-handed. Yeah. I was really right, wanted to do it, but I thought about the Robbie Doo thing. I thought, no, maybe this is like not the right thing to do. And then I went 1 0 down to Ebden in the semi finals. And I was so bad, I thought, oh, I don't care. I'm going to get beat 6 1 here. No, yeah. don't matter. So I thought I'd play left handed. Anyway, I beat him 6 1. With your left hand. I went 60, 70, and it was good. I played the odd shot right handed because I thought, you know what, there's certain shots right handed that I felt more comfortable with. Yeah. But 90% of it was left handed. And then I had Hendry in the final. I thought, this has worked for me so far, but this is the ultimate test, you know yeah. what I mean? So, but I could only do it probably about 60, 70% against Hendry because his flow was so good that I felt quite pedestrian, so right. I had to mix it up. And then I beat Hendry in the final as well. So I think once that happened, everyone was like, oh, maybe yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's all right now, you know? You're an unbelievable entertainer, and there's a point in the semi-final against John Higgins. Mm. I think you go back to your... Tri mm. your, your yeah. change your room. You said, I'd rather lose playing a winning game than mm. win playing a losing game. Yeah, yeah. Do the, do the slow players, the sort of like, the, I mean, we, we, when I was growing up, the, mm. those players existed, those ones that take age over a shot, they're walking mm. around the table. Yeah. Do they drive you crazy? Um, they do drive you crazy until you find a, a way to unlock and nullify what they do. You know, it, it drives you crazy when it stops you from playing the way you feel like you want to play. So it's finding out how you deal with that and because you can't stop it, and, yeah. I, and, it's, and that's, that's what's been the fun part, is going, okay, right, I've got, you know, right, I know how to play him, I know how to play him, and I, yeah, I can deal with that and deal with that, because, like you say in snooker, you are sitting there in your chair, and there's, you can't yeah. have an effect, you know, yeah. you've got to hope the ref goes, look, mate, hurry up, you've been turning two, three, Do you ever say anything to falling him? asleep, like, but, but they don't, so you can't... Do you say like, anything to him? Do you ever say, come on, get a shift on? Like? Um, yeah. 
You can't. You can't. You 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 can't. Yeah. That was so weak. You want to. That was so weak. Surely. But what you what you can do is you can you can play in a way which makes them feel old on up near need to come. You know, like so. So if I'm playing, like, I can't remember where I was playing last time. They were just a bit slow, and you get sucked into their play. So I just up the tempo. Mm. Just bang, 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 right. bang, 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 bang. Even like if it's a safety shot, I go bang quick. Yeah. Now, but if I start playing at his pace, it becomes ah, oh, they're both playing at it. But yeah, once yeah. you start, they start thinking, oh, it's on me. <laughs> and then they start to feel a little bit uncomfortable. So it's about making your opponent feel. You know, like I'm not comfortable with this, and sometimes you just got to, you know, it's all done through um, body language, if you mm. like, you know, and just sort of. Who's your biggest inspiration? Um, what, in, in just in, in your general, life, your whole um, life. Who's been the biggest influence on you? What? That's helped me. You mean? Yeah. Or who's, just who's influenced who you are today? Um, it's hard, really. I suppose. I suppose my dad had a big impact on me in the early days, but I think obviously I'd say Ray Reardon and Steve yeah, Peters yeah. were really the two people. And I can't miss him out, Frank Adamson. Frank Adamson was such, he was the guy that I went to see when I went, right, build me a new game. And he went, oh, I'm a bit scared, you know, you've like, you know, I went, don't worry. I said, I'm useless. Like, you know, like, we need to, like, you know, I know you coach Stephen Lee, I love his cue action. If you can turn me into him, we're going to win tournaments. So it took us a year, and I used to go and see him every two weeks in Bristol and spend like hours and hours. And you know, it wasn't until a, a year of working that I went, okay, I feel comfortable now. We're kind of like, we've got a chance of playing. And we won the world championships in the first year. Wow. So Frank Haddinson was like the perfect coach for me because he's, we sort of, Got me back on track. With all your flaws, you've done all right, Ronnie. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I think you've got to have flaws sometimes to achieve. It's sort of like if you feel like you're comfortable, it's sort of like you get a bit like lazy. I think you know sometimes you think, oh, I've got a bit of a weakness here. It makes you work. I mean, you look at Ronaldo and people like that. You think like that geezer never wants to stop moving forward. You know, yeah. like, slow down, mate. Enjoy. You know what I mean, but yeah. it's that intensity. I think that Did makes. Do you look him... forward to almost retiring and, and snook on not being a big part of your life, or, or is that a fear that you couldn't sort of live without it? I used to. I used to think like. I can't, what I don't want to keep playing and having this life. But as I've got older, I've started to appreciate it. I'm thinking, no, it's actually, listen, a lot of people out there, it's very hard times for them. You know, they get up in the morning, they have to go and get a job, they have to like work all day, they've got a boss ringing them up, you know, you, like, you're not on time, you're not doing anything. And bills are getting high, and it's, it's a tough time for people um, just to survive. So I'm sort of very grateful for that I'm able to go and do something that, you know, is something I love and I just have to manage it. But, you know, you know, so I appreciate it now more and see it as a job. Um, and sometimes I don't have to play brilliant. It's yeah. just when they go there, the fans have bought a ticket, they just want to see you and they go, all right. And, you know, and, that, and that sometimes that's just enough. And if I play great, that's a bonus. If I play mediocre, it's still a good one. Yeah. If I have a stinker. You know, I'll try and make up for it and do something where you pick going. and choose your tournaments. Do you have to go yeah. to like? Is, is there places you go? I don't know. I can't be bothered traveling. Yeah, yeah, is that a... yeah you can pick and choose. Right. You can pick and choose, but you're obviously sort of you want to keep your ranking high enough, so you have to play enough to sort of keep it up there. But um, I prefer to play in Asia because of the tournaments. Uh, they've got the scale. They've got the resources. They do it properly. You know, if you're yeah. going to have 128 players, you need a lot of resources in that, whereas in the UK, it's, it's, they haven't really, and so it's kind of all a bit all over the show. So I try. I, I, my main thing is to play as much abroad, like in Asia, because they, it just, they're just better events, you know? <laughs>